Well, it is Veterans Day, so we'd like to say thank you to all of our veterans that have sacrificed so that we live in a great country as this. So thank you. You know, and today we're going to be continuing in our series, The Ingredients for Successful Living. And, and that's a part of it, that what you have done for, for this country and for the world is that you made a difference. And you can see that just by us being here in this, uh, in this place, that we can worship God freely because of the sacrifices that you have made. So don't think for one moment, just because you may have done your duty, that that was it. No, the legacy continues on. And we get to live in a great country as this because of our veterans. So never take our veterans for granted. They have done such a marvelous job and continue to do such a great job in allowing us to be in a country like this. You know, I look at our, our Sunday mornings and the things that we talk about and, and, and the things that we go through. And I'll hear it often, uh, not just in, in this, this church, but many other churches, that they'll say, you know, Sunday mornings is just not enough for me. Like, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm being spiritually fed uh, just on Sunday mornings. And the truth is, nobody can be spiritually fed as much as we need to just on a Sunday morning. It's like saying, I don't feel like I'm being fed physically, eating food only once a week. Of course not. You're going to, you're going to be hungry throughout the entire week, throughout the entire day, if you only eat once on Sunday mornings, food. So when it comes to our spiritual life, there's also that side to it where we need more than just Sunday morning. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we, we, we come on Wednesday nights. We, we try our very best to feed our soul. And the reason why we want to do that and why we feel sometimes where we're not to the place where we're not being fed enough or our spiritual life is not as good as we would hope it to be is that God created us to be a difference maker. That He wants us to make a difference in this world. He wants to do something through us. But in order for me to be, to make a difference in life, then I must make my life different. I, I can't do the same things over and over again expecting to do something different in the world. If I do the same things over and over, I, I usually will end up with the same kind of results. And that's what we want to look at today, is how we can make a difference that God wants to make a difference in our lives, but first we need to make our life different. And God will do that. He has the power to do so. Some of us, we have certain habits that we have, and in order for us to, to develop new and good habits, we first must need to get rid of the old bad habits. Uh, some of us have the habit of biting our nails, and we don't even know we have that habit. Someone has to tell us that we have that habit. That's usually what a habit is. And a habit is an indication, uh, uh, when you don't know that you're doing something and someone has to tell you, it's an indication that it's a habit. Uh, some of you, when you make peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you put the peanut butter first. It's just a habit. You really don't think things through, you just put the peanut butter first. Some of you put the jelly first, that's your habit. I don't know how you do that, but you do, and that's just your habit. Uh, some of you have the habit of leaving the empty shampoo containers in the, uh, in the shower, and that's just your habit. Uh, some of you guys have a habit of, 
using all the soap and not replacing it for the next person. And sometimes you do that with toilet paper. It's just your habit. Not a good habit to have, but it's just a habit. Some of you, when you come home and, and you change clothes, you leave your dirty clothes on the floor, and you, it's just, don't look at each other. <laughs> just, it, uh, it's just your habit. And we all have different kinds of habits. We do certain things as habits. Habits shape our lives. But in order for us to develop new habits, we must first get rid of the old habits. And that's what we want to talk about today. You know, when I was growing up uh, in high school, I, I, I took art class uh, because I loved art. And I thought, ah, I'm going to take art so I can learn some things and, and get better at art. But when I took the class, I found out very quickly that, that there were some things I knew and some things I didn't. The things that I knew, it was easy. You know, it, it, came, it came easy, it was natural. And for some days in the class... It would be a breeze. So I would finish my work, but I would have an extra 20, 25 minutes to do nothing. And so I played around in class. And poor thing for the other students that were trying their very best, I would make trouble to them. Uh, we call it being kolohe or being rascal. And we would make trouble. So my teacher would correct me from time to time. He'd say, Laksina. Leave them alone. And I said, but I'm, I, I, I'm finished with my work. I have nothing to do. He said, do something else. Do something productive. But I would still play around in class. Then one day, one of my friends, uh, she was sitting on a stool and she was doing her art. And then she got up to do something else. And so I moved her chair from her. And I figured, okay, right before she sits down, I'm just going to brace you know, her and, and laugh and it'll be fun. But right before I did that, my friends grabbed me and pulled me out of her way. And then she fell on the ground. And then she looked up at me and she said, why'd you do that? And I said, "I wasn't me. I, they pulled me away. I was, I was going to, what they, and so I, I'm sorry. Then I heard, Loxena, get over here. So my teacher brought me into his office and this is the first time he ever closed the door. And he said, sit down. And so I sat down. And then he said, he said, you know, boy, you get potential. But you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time playing around. And then he said some other things that I can't say in church. And you can't say nowadays in school. But he really disciplined me. And what I caught from what he was saying that day was this. It's not the classroom in which you're going to learn these things. It's what you want to learn while being in the classroom that's going to make a difference in your life. And it, it, it made a difference in my life. In this classroom we call life, life can shape us, but we determine if it's going to make a difference in our life. With what we learn, the things we go through, what God is trying to teach us, or we can just play around. God wants to do certain things in us, but if we just mess around and play around and get distracted and, and, and do the things that are not pleasing to God, then we will learn absolutely nothing at all. But I believe that we can be different difference makers 
But in order for us to make a difference in the world, we first need to make our life different. In order for us to make a difference in our life, then we need to hear the one who makes life different. I look at it this way. We must lose certain old habits in order to master new and better ones. And here's the first thing. If you want to take notes in your bulletin, you can take out that note paper. And, and we're going to go through three things that will help us in developing this new life and, and making a difference, not just in our life, but in the lives of people that are around us. And the first thing is to develop new and better habits in place of old bad habits. See, sometimes we, we think... Uh, Forward, and we want to do well in life, and we want to do good things. But we forget that we still have the old habits in place. There are certain habits that you and I have that cause us to live the way we live. For some of us, we want to do well with our health or with our weight, so we go on a diet, and then we lose weight. And then six months later, we gain it all back. It's not because we didn't change. It's because we didn't change our habits. Yeah, we changed our... Our, our eating and our eating habits, but we didn't change the habits that trigger our eating habits. So in order for us to master new and better habits, we have to get rid of old bad habits. we got to replace them. Sometimes we find ourselves in the same situation over and over, not because that's the way life is, but it may be because we have yet to break old habits. Procrastination, laziness, punctuality, fatigue, Overeating, debt, drugs, broken relationships, bitter, anger, a bitterness, anger, and, and all of these characteristics and all these situations can be avoided by losing the habits that spin its web around us only, to, only for us to fall prey to its destruction. And it squeezes the life out of us. 1 Corinthians 15.33, it reminds us, it says, Do not be deceived. In other words, don't be tricked. Don't be tricked in this thinking. Because evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. Yeah, many times we change for the better and begin to make great choices, but then revert back to our old ways. Not because we didn't change. Not because God didn't help us. But mostly because we did not get rid of old habits. When you're trying to change something about your life, don't just figure out what you need to change to. You must also need to know what you need to change from. Because if we still have the old habits, it'll, it'll, it'll still creep its way back in because it's, it's habits that we do, yet we don't know we're doing. Jesus said it well on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. In other words, we live in this habitual cycle. And Jesus said, they don't know what they're doing. Lord, Father... This is why I've come, to break that, to, to help them, because they don't know what they're doing. Ephesians 4, through 24, it says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Remember those two words, deceitful desires. To be made new in the image, excuse me, in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Did you know that you and I have deceitful desires? We all know we have desires, but we have deceitful desires. In other words, when you have a desire for something and you make that decision to follow that desire, thinking it's going to end up in a certain way, 
Many times it will not. Why? Because we have deceitful desires. And it pulls us in a direction that we don't think we're going to end up in. Why? Because it's a deceitful desire. Paul the Apostle was teaching his young protege, Timothy, about these deceitful desires. And he said, Timothy, you must teach these to people. Teach these principles. In fact, he said, there's some widows that you need to teach this to. There's some young widows that you need to teach this to. Because they're making decisions based on deceitful desires. And when they follow those desires, it pulls them away from following Jesus Christ. And so he said to Timothy, you've got to teach them this. And, and so here's, here's what Timothy says. Paul the Apostle says in, in 1 Timothy 5.13, he says, Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying things they ought not to. Now, in our world today, yeah, we still will go from house to house, and sometimes we have dinners or, or things like that, and, and we'll go from place to place, and, and sometimes we talk about things we ought not to. We do things that we ought not to. And maybe we don't go from house to house, but, but we go from phone call to phone call. We go from email to email, from Facebook to Facebook, from friend to friend. We go from Instagram to Instagram. We have all of these social networking capabilities and we stay connected that way. But sometimes we say things that we ought not to. And the Lord is saying there's, there's, there's things that you're doing that are pulling you away because they are deceitful desires. And we fall into the same category when we, when we don't develop new habits that draw us closer to Jesus rather than farther away. Now, you, you may be saying, I've, I've been working on, on some old habits. I've been trying to get rid of them. I'm trying to develop new habits. But boy, it's a struggle. It's so hard. It's difficult. I try to do well. I go to church. I learn something. I try to apply it. But once we get into the parking lot, I don't know what's wrong with you guys' parking lot. But when we get into the parking lot, we start fighting. It's, I don't know what happens. Uh, we pick up our children. And everything goes crazy. And, and so I don't know what happens. The moment I leave these doors... It's like something comes over me and I revert back to my old ways. Here's something that'll help. Even though it's difficult, even though it may be hard and you're trying to do good, number two, write this in, keep doing what is good. Keep doing what is good. Regardless of how difficult, keep doing what is good. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep doing what is good. Fight that evil desire. Fight it. Keep doing what is good. It's like football practice. If any of you played football and, and you just started spring training or you just started camp and you're, you're exercising, it's the first couple of days where your muscles are in pain. Your abs are sore and all the football players are walking like this or volleyball players or if you're playing baseball and everyone's sore because your muscles and your body is not used to it. And so you're walking around like something else happened. And so you're, you're in pain. Even if you were to sneeze, that's a, that's a painful situation. You're like, oh, no. I gotta, People are looking at you. What's wrong? That's because your whole body is in pain. But I tell you, you keep doing what you're supposed to do. You keep exercising. You keep doing what is good for you. After two, three, four, five days, a week or two that goes by, there's no more pain. Why? Because your body is in shape. 
there's no more of that pain because you were doing something that was taking away the old habits of what your muscles used to do, which was nothing. And now you're doing a new habit, which is something. And now your body is used to it. Your muscles are used to it. Now, same thing with developing new habits. It's painful in the beginning. It's hard to do. It becomes frustrating because you're trying and trying and trying and you're trying to do good. But sometimes we revert, revert back to our old ways. Galatians 6, 9, it encourages us. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If, let's read this together, go. We do not give up. That's the whole principle. Oh, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You've been faithful to your spouse. You've been doing good. And then some good-looking person comes along and romanticizes you. Makes you feel good. And you feel like, you feel like, wow, they treat me better than my spouse. I can look. I just not going to touch. That principle does not work. The longer you look the more guarantee you can touch. So it doesn't work. And that's not a biblical principle. Stay faithful. You've been doing good. Stay faithful. Sometimes you'll have it in your mind where you say, well, my spouse doesn't treat me good, so, so I'm going to flirt a little. It's nothing harm, no harm, harm done in that. I deserve this. I deserve this. Don't do it. Keep doing what is good. Keep doing what is good. Stay faithful. When you're in debt and you're trying to get out of debt and you're doing good with your spending and you're, you're budgeting and you're within your budget, you're not spending money foolishly, but you're doing well. And then the sale comes up and you're so tempted to buy something because it'll make you feel good. And you'll even say it to yourself, I've been doing good. I've been doing good. I haven't been spending for three days. I'm doing good. I deserve this. Don't do it. Keep doing what is good. Oh, it'll be painful because your friends would say, Oh, you gotta, you gotta go to the sale today. I got all of these things for $10. $10. Really? Did you need it? Nope, but it was cheap. It was cheap. And you, you, you think you're going to feel good, but keep doing what is good. You've been doing a great job at controlling your anger. You've been doing really good. And people have been telling you, wow, you've, you've, you've been controlling your anger. You've been doing so much better. Yeah, I've been trying. I've been trying. But it's still there. Sometimes I get irritated. But you've been doing good. Then all of a sudden, someone pushes your buttons, and you feel the boiling blood coming up. And you're thinking, I just want to snap. I just got to snap. I got to throw something. I got to break something, punch something. Don't do it. Keep doing what is good. Go run outside. Throw rocks at the ground. Do something else. Just do that. Go count rocks. Do something. If it's nighttime, count stars. If it's cloudy, count the raindrops. Do something else. But keep doing what is good. Keep doing what is good. And God says you'll reap a harvest, a plentiful harvest. Maybe God has spoken to you and tithing to him, but, but you want to you save money to get something else. And you say, well, God understands. God's going to understand. He knows I need this. Keep doing what is good. 
Some of you, you've been trying to clean your soul, you know, your heart and your language and your mind. And, and so you put away the old bad music. You stop watching bad movies. You put away all the pornography. You put all this bad stuff on the side and, and you've been doing good. And then you get tempted. Keep doing what is good. You keep doing what is good. Think of the good things that God is doing in your life. Think of all the good things that he's doing through you and keep doing good. Why? Because the Bible promises that at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. It's at the proper time, but it's only if we do not give up. That's the key. You got to keep doing what is good. I look at it this way. Have you ever watched a game and you, the team you're rooting for is losing? And you look at how much time there's left and you say, ah, turn them off. And then later on, you get a phone text or something. And later on on the news, they won. And you're thinking, what happened? And they came back. Here's the mindset that we should have. And keep doing good. Stay in the game long enough to see the victory. In your marriage, in your family, with your finances, serving, Keep doing what is good. Stay in the game long enough to see the victory. Stay in the game long enough that when God shows you something, that you're going to say all of that painful moments of sacrificing and suffering was all worth it because I see the victory. I see the victory. I see the comeback. You might think, but it's so hard. I feel like I'm suffering. Good. Good. If you're suffering for doing something good, the Bible says it's commendable to God. It's commendable. Look at what 1 Peter 2.20 says. It says, But how is it, to your credit, if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. And God sees that as something noble. He says, For you to continue to do good and you suffer for doing good, it's commendable. Because in due time, you will reap a harvest. It'll be fruitful. 1 Peter 3.17, it says, It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for evil. Many of us suffer for doing evil. If anything, suffer for doing good. We're going to suffer anyway. Might as well suffer for doing good. In your marriage, your faithfulness in your marriage, it'll be tested. Your temper will receive its challenges. Your, your finances will take a hit. Your commitment to God will take a hit. You'll lose heart and tithing. The temptations toward our flesh, it'll be a struggle. And even when you feel the weight of suffering come on your life, at the proper time, you will see success in your marriage. If you keep doing what is good, do not give up. You will see a kind of love that you've never thought you'd have in your marriage. You'll see your finances take a turn and, and it'll balance out. Your anger will be controlled. When you give, it'll be joyful. Temptations will not be able to tear you down. In other words, you will see the victory. It's a promise from God. Many of us feel like this in Psalm 126, verse 6, that they weep as they go to plant their seed. But they sing as they return with the harvest. Sometimes we give up midway. 
that we're, we're planting seed, we're doing good things, we're doing good things, and it's so difficult that we just cry and stay there. But God says, keep going, keep doing what is good, because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. And then you will sing with rejoicing, and you will have the harvest. But how do we know this to be true? How, how, do, how do we know that this is accurate? How do we, how do we follow this and, and find out if this is really True. Well, in the book of Acts 10.38, Jesus is the model. He's the example. And it says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how God went about doing good, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And here's the key. For God was with him. God is with you. Did you catch that? God is with you. He's with us. He doesn't leave us stranded. He's always with us. He's always by our side. That's why, we can, that's why we can change our old habits, because God is with us. It's not our spirit. It's His spirit. It's not our strength. It's His strength. It's not by, by our might. It's by His power. It's by His spirit. He's the one that does these things. Well, well, that sounds good, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know my background. You don't know my past. You don't know the situation I'm in. You don't know what I'm facing. You may say that to people. You may even say that to your closest friends or your family members. Which, And that may be true. But God knows what you're facing. So it's important for us to understand that God is with us. And because He's with us, number three, you can write this in. Look ahead while looking around. Because God is with us, we can look ahead, but at the same time, look around. It's good to look ahead. It's good to look at where we're going, what direction our life is heading. It's good to see where we're heading in life. But it's also good to know what God is doing right now in our present life. What is God doing in your heart right now? What is He he trying to do? is, Is He trying to change something and we're fighting it? What is He trying to do? Because that's going to be the key factor in making a difference is if we're cooperating with what God is trying to do. Because He wants to make a difference in our life, but we first need to make our life different. Look ahead, look around. Look on the side of you with those that support you. Sometimes we focus on all the people that are against us. The Lord says, no, you look on all the things that are good. Dwell on these things. Those people who are supporting you, those are the people that you stay close by. Those that support you. When the Lord is trying to teach us something, many times we can see the two roads. We can see what God wants to do, and then we see, oh, danger ahead. And sometimes we do this. We say, but God, if you're always with me, then can we try this? Because you're always with me. And yes, He will, be, he will always be with us. But here's how Proverbs 22, verse 3 says it. It says, a prudent person foresees danger ahead, and takes precautions. But the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Not suffers for doing good, suffers the consequences of the danger that we already foresee. We can see the danger ahead, but we've never taken precautions. See, the foolish person sees the cliff ahead and doesn't remove their foot from the gas pedal. 
In fact, they floor it and say, hey, young cliff over there, what is that? Well, what's, well, no, what's on the other side of the cliff? You're not going to make it. The wise person sees the cliff, removes their foot from the gas pedal, and even applies the brakes and says, oh, okay, there's a cliff there. I'm not going to go in that direction. Sometimes we get so close to the edge, and then we make the final decision that takes us over. And I, I look at it this way. You don't need to see the bottom when there's a cliff. You just know it's there. Reminds me of a story I heard of a, a preacher who, who fell on, on bad times and, and he didn't have money, but he had a horse. And so he, he sold his horse for a really good price. And so he gave it to this one guy for a really great price. And, the, and he said, the only thing about this horse that you need to understand is that uh, he's a holy horse. So uh, if you want him to go, to go you got to say, praise the Lord. And uh, if you want him to stop, you just got to say, amen. You got it? And the guy said, sure, I got it. Easy. Yeah. Okay. So he jumps on the horse and he says, okay, let's go. Let's go. Nothing. He says, oh, what was it? Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. Oh, horse starts to go. He starts to go. Yes. He wants to go faster. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now he's galloping. Then he sees a cliff and he's right close to the cliff. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What was the word? Oh, amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Why get so close to the edge only to fall off? Some of you got to explain right now. Just go ahead, take some time. See, I... I don't want to get so close to the edge of a decision that by just one tiny mistake, I'm over the edge and I hit bottom. We know what the bottom feels like and we know what the bottom looks like at a cliff's edge. We've been there. We understand God's grace because God brought us up from the pit and we understand His grace now. And he says, don't go back there. I want to make a difference in your life. Yeah, look ahead, but also look around. You know, some of us may think, yeah, but, you know, my, my past keeps catching up with me. My family, my, 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 my lineage, my heritage, the, uh, my DNA, the blood that I've gotten, it's just inside of me, so I, I can't change anything. And it's true, we cannot change our past. But there's certain things that we can do to influence what happens today from our past? Did you know that you and I not necessarily can change what happened? But we can actually influence what's going to happen. Which alters what happened in the past. Now, you've got to stick with me on this because it's, it's nothing weird or anything like that. It's just the way God operates in being an eternal God. See, we're temporary. But He didn't create us to just be temporary here on this earth. He created us for all of eternity. Therefore, there are certain principles that God, that works for God, that will work for us. Because we're created in His image. He created us for eternity. And I want to give something to us today that, that will help us tremendously when it has to do with our past and making a difference today. 
See, all of us will encounter cliffs in life. We'll all encounter that. But we need to know where we came from in order to know where we're heading. Many of us come from a, a bloodline of drug addiction or a lineage of adultery or fornication and we're living that right now. Or, or maybe we're stuck in pornography or stealing or lying or cheating or uncontrolled anger or pride or selfishness. And we're stuck there because we've been raised that way or we were in that environment. But all of these things don't just happen. It happens as a result of getting too close to the edge. Did you know that the difference you and I make today doesn't just affect our future, but it also affects our past? It really does. You want to be a difference maker? Listen to this scripture, and here's how it will help us. In Hebrews 11, verses 39 and 40, it says, All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. And what the Bible is talking about is all those who passed on before us. And in this case, they're talking about those, the great men of faith and the women of faith. And, but then it continues, it says, Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something, in, something better in mind for us. And here's the key. So that they would not reach perfection without us. Now catch this. You may say, oh, but my parents, uh, this person, that person... They don't reach perfection without us. In other words, their life is not complete without us. So make it a good, complete life for them. You make that much of a difference. Even though our parents may have done things that were bad or wrong, or, or maybe they, they didn't treat you as, as good as you would have hoped they would have treated you. Maybe, maybe your parents or maybe one of them have, have passed on or both of them or your grandparents or, or maybe a sibling or an aunt or an uncle, maybe a grandparent, and they've passed on. Did you know that you can make a difference for their life by the way you live yours? Because life is not a solo race. It's a relay race. Our parents have passed the baton to us. And even though they may not have finished well, maybe you felt abandoned. Maybe, maybe, maybe you feel like your parents didn't care. Or maybe you feel that because of what happened in their life, their divorce or their separation, that you're messed up. You can still finish the race well. You can do a good job at finishing the race and make them proud. Even though you may have this hurt, you can make a difference in the life of your family descendants or your family that has since gone on. You can make a difference. That's how God created us, from apart from each other. That's not how we're created. He said, you're going to, you're going to allow them to receive their promise by how well you do in your race, in your leg of the race. You're that valuable to your family. You make a difference. God will strengthen you for whatever you need strength for. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 It tells us, finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you, in the Lord Jesus, 
that as you received from us instruction as how you as to how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually walk that you excel still more see Paul the apostle only reason why he would say that is because of all the work that he put into spreading the good news of Jesus Christ it wouldn't be complete if you and I don't finish this race. That's what he's saying. He's saying you can still excel more. There's more that you can do. Your life and what you do makes a difference for today, tomorrow, and here's how incredible God's ways are, even for yesterday. We're going to read this scripture together. It's, it's Hebrews 13, 8. It's our, it's our foundational scripture in our four-square denomination. And the reason why we have this scripture up here is to remind us And most of the times, we just think of today and forever and that Jesus did something yesterday. But we can even influence those of yesterday. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a forever God. He can change our lives today to make our yesterday even that much better. Amen? Amen. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes. A couple weeks ago, we prayed over Pastor Marissa, who uh, we have since adopted New Hope Ke'al. And we just felt that this church can make a difference in that community. And so Pastor Marissa went out, and she's been doing an outstanding job with making a difference there. And while I was preparing for this message, I thought, you know, here's, here's a church that is doing very well now. And they're still building and, and, and reaching people. And they're in the beginning stages again of, of rebirthing this church with this new leadership. And God just pressed upon my heart that if you want to be a part of that and making a difference, and if God speaks to you in a special way, that you would be a part of a giving toward this church. You may have family members that might live in that era. You can let them know that there's a church out in that side and they can attend. And if you would just obey the Lord, don't, don't feel obligated to give. Just ask the Lord, am I supposed to give? And if he says no, then obey him. If he says yes, then give joyfully. We're going to watch a video in, in just a couple minutes. But I thought, you know, when, when we make a difference today, it does affect tomorrow. But if we refuse to make a difference today, it affects someone's yesterday. There's a small boy who was playing outside and he was playing with rocks. And his dad was watching him and he was curious of what he was building because he wasn't just stacking rocks or making a pile of rocks. He was stacking them nicely. And his father looked and he said, son, what what are you making? He said, I'm just making a wall. He said, a wall. Yep. A wa- for what? He says, for the invading army. The invading army. What invading army? Dad, the invading army. Oh, do you know how many rocks you have to build? And how many stones you're going to need? Nope. And he kept building. Well, how high do you have to make this wall? 
high enough so the horses can't jump over. Oh, that's millions of rocks, son. How are you going to finish that? You know how long that's going to take? No, but you know, Dad, if if I don't finish it, then my son is going to have to finish it one day. And if he doesn't finish it, his son will have to finish it one day. And if he doesn't finish it, then his son's son, I know, son, his son's son is going to have to finish it. Yep. You know, Dad, if you started building this wall when you was a boy, we'd be a whole lot further done than we are today. (laughs) I want to say to you, stack your rocks. Build your wall because you will make a difference for somebody's yesterday. Make a difference. God created you that way. Would you pray with me? Lord, we want to be people who make a difference. We want to make a difference in this life. But in order for us to make a difference in life, we're going to have to make our life different. And that's where you come in. You're a a life changer. There may be some this morning, Lord, I know that they've been searching, they've been trying, they've been seeking you out. But they have yet to commit their hearts to you. And with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you're saying, boy, I want to give my heart to Jesus, I think it's time. Could you just lift a hand? I'm going to pray with you. Good. Anybody else? You're saying, I want to give Jesus my heart today. Good. 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 Many hands. Good. Good. God sees your hands. You can put your hands down. And, and here's the prayer. And we can say this prayer together, all of us. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you died on the cross. And thank you for rising again from the grave. I give my heart to you. I give you my life. And I believe in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Well, you might be a Christian and with every head bowed and eyes closed, you might be saying, boy, I, I never thought my life would make that much of a difference, not just for tomorrow and today, but really for yesterday. And maybe this morning you're saying, I, I want to make a difference in my life and th- with those who surround me. And I'm a Christian. I, I want to I do better for the Lord in that way. And if that's you, would you just lift a hand? And you're saying, I want to make a difference. Yeah, Lord, we, we lift our hands to you this morning, and that's our commitment. You can put your hands down. Lord, our, our hearts is, is given freely to you that you would do what it takes for us to get rid of old habits in place of new habits that you want to develop. Lord, we want to be people who who do make a difference. That yes, we do look ahead, but we also look around with what's happening. That we're mindful of, of what's taking place in our world, in our own life. And that we keep doing what is good. Because in due time, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. And for that, we trust you for. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen.